Hey everyone, are you ready to be fired up? Because I sure am. Today I've got Joe McCall. He is actually one of my fellow Category King members. He invested $150,000 to be a part of this group, just like I did. Let's get you fired up. Financially independent, retire early. If you're a small business, professional, or entrepreneur, and you're looking for a way to stand out amongst your competition, then this is the podcast for you. We focus on relevant digital marketing strategies and tools to help you stand out in your industry and become the market leader in your profession. Hey, we don't hold back on this podcast. We say it like it is. And sometimes you may not like what you're hearing, but I guarantee you, you'll know the information given is truly what you need to do to take your business to the next level. So hang tight because you're about to be fired up with me, Krista Mayshore. What's up, Joe? Hey, what's up, Krista? Good to see you. And I'm going to let you give your amazing introduction um, and and tell what you do and let us know who you are so they can get super excited about what they're going to hear about today. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Joe, Joe McCall. And uh, yes, I've known Krista for probably four or five years now through through masterminds there. And um, it's cool to see her business just explode. And I'll just tell all y'all that are listening right now, nobody cares about their customers more than Krista. Maybe I'm, I'm up there with, but like nobody cares about her people more than Krista. And I've seen that just from hearing her talk about her business and the passion that she has for helping people. So it's awesome. And um, so, yeah, I I've been doing, if if people know who I am, uh, I'm in the real estate investing space. I have a podcast called real estate investing mastery. I've been teaching uh, real estate for since that with that podcast for over 10 years, over a thousand episodes, 10 million downloads. I love, love the podcast and coaching and helping and teaching people. We also are actively doing deals on the investing side of things um, for for a long time now. And um, I'm starting to actually flip more vacant land. Uh, that's been real rural vacant land. We're starting to do more of that. And um, I also do a lot of lease options, which is one of the things that I, I might get to share with you guys, <laughs> talking about lease options and how you can use lease options to buy your own dream home. Oh, yes. We'd love to hear about that. I'd love to hear about that. I know Joe, Joe I was so excited to have Joe on because I know it's you know, a lot of our listeners are real estate agents and lenders. So they're going to be excited about this. Okay. So first of all, um, you just, so you know, Joe has done millions of dollars on the, in the online marketing. He has done millions and millions of dollars on teaching people how to do investing and also his own deals. And so that's how come, how we know each other, which is really, really cool. He, I don't do real estate investing and I have some rentals, but it's, um, we're, we're two totally separate things, but the same audience. So Joe, yes. Talk to us about, I'd like to hear what you, about that, about how people can actually, you know, do real estate investing to buy their own dream residence. Well, a lot of us, I mean, everybody that's listening here, you're some kind of entrepreneur, small business owner, you're, um, you're a 1099 contractor as a realtor or as a mortgage broker, or like you, you eat what you kill. Right. And so um, a lot of times you could have the money in the bank to buy a house with cash, but a bank won't lend you the money because you're not a W-2 employee, right? And as small business owners and entrepreneurs, we, you know, we, we try to pay the least amount of taxes as possible, which means you need to ethically uh, report your income and take as many deductions as you can so that you can report the lowest amount of income as possible, right? And so, um, and a lot of times, entrepreneurs and small business owners are the ones who take the greatest risks. 
And, uh, you know, most of the successful entrepreneurs I know, they've had business failures in the past. They've had things they've tried in the past. It failed. They've gone through bankruptcy or foreclosure or short sales. And, um, you know, that kind of stuff affects your credit. And so you could be having a new business or you could have resurrected your old business and you could be making a lot of money. But if you have any kind of negative, especially, you know, things like student loans or foreclosures or bankruptcies that, you know, major things like that, that you've been late or delinquent on, that stuff can stay on your credit for seven plus years, right? Mm -hmm. Or or, uh, seven years. I think the max is seven. Um, So I was in a situation where I've been working for myself since 2009. So um, 11 or 12 years now. And uh, I remember back um, when the market crashed, I I had, I was way over leveraged on a lot of my investment properties. um, And we bought a house that I shouldn't have bought. It was so easy to get loans back then. I know you're in California and it was even even crazier there, Krista, but like, uh, so I had, I had, my credit really, really was bad. And, um, but come fast forward about five years in 2016, 17, about that time frame, um, I'm making really good money, but I still have these things on my credit report and I'm taking all these write-offs. So my tax returns, my income was not where the bank wanted to see. And the banks, they just do not like self-employed, independent business, small business owners. I mean, Again, you could be making $500,000 a year, but it's going to be easier for somebody to get a loan making $100,000 a year um, who is a W-2 employee for the same house. And that it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. So how was I going to, and we got, I was tired of moving. I didn't want to move anymore. I have four kids and my wife and I, we homeschool our kids as well so we can travel. And uh, I don't want to move anymore. Um, and, and by the way, I should give some context to this. Uh, we, uh, because I'm, I can do deals virtually from anywhere, we would travel a lot as a family. My wife and our four kids, we would go to Europe for like two or three months at a time. We did that twice. Uh, we took an RV for th- an RV trip for three months through the northwestern part of the country. And so we've always been kind of digital nomads, as it were. But we came time now we wanted to buy a house, and I couldn't. So um, I, I've you know, in my marketing, and we're looking for off-market properties. When I do marketing for sellers, we send a lot of direct mail. Um, We do outbound marketing. And uh, so when I get a lead, I talk to the seller, I say, and I am a licensed agent too, by the way, I have my real estate license. Um, So when I'm talking to a homeowner, I'm trying to find out their situation. And uh, I always tell them, listen, you should just, you should just list your house with an agent because they're going to, help you get more for your house than I would. But a lot of homeowners, they've tried that. It doesn't work. Uh, maybe their house needs too much work and they don't have the time or the money to put into the house to fix it up. Maybe they have two mortgage payments. They've already moved to another house and they can't make next month's mortgage payment. So there's a lot of sellers for whatever reason, they're, they're really motivated. They need to sell quickly. Um, so you know, I'll make an offer to buy their house, which is always really low. Um, again, at the same time, I'm always suggesting to, you know, I'll I'll refer you to some agents that can list your house and you can get more, but if you don't want to do that, then I have some other options for you. All right. So one of the options is, um, I can buy your house for cash, but it's going to be at like 60, 70 cents on the dollar because it needs all this work and all this stuff. Or I might be able to get you more for your house, Mr. Homeowner. If you would maybe carry back some seller financing, do a lease option, or let me rent it for a few years and then 
buy it or whatever. And so one time, um, this was probably eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, uh, a homeowner called me in, in response to one of my postcards. And uh, it was a nice house in a great school district on a cul-de-sac in a su nice suburban area, um, a big 4,500 square foot house, just beautiful, exactly what we needed and uh, finished walkout basement. I know you don't know what those are in California, Krista, but it's just, <laughs> you know, anyway, so it was a great house and um, they, he owed too much and he had already bought another house. We had two mortgage payments, but he didn't want to be a landlord. It scared him to death. And I said, well, listen, what if I rented it from you for a few years and then had the option to buy it in the future? And he said, that would be great. So we moved into that house, me and my wife and our kids and loved it. It was a great house. But at the end of a couple of years, when our lease option period expired and, and we just said, you know, what, we don't want to buy it. So we're not going to exercise our option. So let me, let me explain what a lease option is. Some of you don't know what a lease option is. It's real simple. It kind of started in the commercial real estate space where you lease a property for a period of time, a year, five years, with the option to buy it in the future at a certain predetermined, pre-negotiated price. And so we had negotiated with the seller, we will lease it from you for two or three years, and then we have the option to buy it at a fair price, um, and we negotiated whatever that was, and then in, in two years. Now, we don't have to buy it. We have the option to buy it, but the seller has the obligation. They can't sell it to somebody else. We, they have to sell it to us. Um, but if we don't exercise our option, they can sell it to somebody else at that point, right? And are you agreeing on the price early on? So when you have a yeah. lease option, like where I'm paying this price for the house. Yeah, yeah. So you're probably glad you didn't buy it because you probably got sold it for much more than when you were going to buy it for, I would think. Well, at that time, the market was pretty flat. Um, oh, okay. So we didn't see much appreciation at, at that time. Mm -hmm. Um. But for us, it was like, yeah, I wanted to buy a house, but the banks wouldn't lend me the money. They wouldn't give me the time of day because I had, you know, some foreclosures um, from on some of my investment properties and short sales from five years earlier. It had been five years removed. I was making great money. Um, and then I also had, and we, we've talked about this in the mastermind, I had some back taxes that were owed, right? Oh, One of the benefits of being an entrepreneur, self-employed, small business owners, you make a lot of money. One of the drawbacks is you pay a lot in taxes, right? Yes. And if you're not disciplined, um, like I wasn't back then, um, I every year I was like, oh my God, I get this tax bill and it's like $150,000, dollars And I had not saved all of that up. So anyway, I, I, was, I was not a, uh, let me just put it this way. The book Profit First changed my life, okay? It's a great book. Everybody should read it called Profit First first all right well anyway fast we went to europe then for a couple months we went to um travel in an rv for a little while and we came back and i thought okay now i can get a home loan we want to we don't want we want to stop moving and uh we were living in an rv camper for about three months in st louis from like september october november and it was starting to get cold right it was starting to come into the winter time we're in st louis missouri and my wife or four kids and a dog are living in this motorhome um, in, in an RV campground for three months and we can't find a place. Oh, the God. Banks, the mortgage brokers are telling me, nah, sorry. I mean, like I didn't have a good enough, good enough income for two years in my, in my tax returns, self-employed um, and uh, didn't have 
um, I had some issues with some taxes that I had owed that I was paying on, but I had some liens and stuff like that. I've done a YouTube video talking about this. So none of this is new. My, I've, I've talked about it a lot. Well, anyway, now we're like, what are we going to do? We can't live in this camper forever. We don't want to rent a house for a year and then move again when I can get a mortgage. Um, so we just prayed. Actually, we did a lot of praying. I was completely stressed out. And I started, I remember what I was doing before with that one other house that we lease auctioned, right? So I went to Zillow and, and we were very specific. Like we wanted to live in a very specific area. We, and, and we wanted to, um, we wanted three acres. We wanted privacy, the backs to woods. That's one of the reasons why we didn't buy that house before was because um, we, 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 our neighbors were too close, right? And even though it was on a cul-de-sac, you know, neighbors were looking down on us all around us um, because that's the, it was a pretty tight development, right? Um, but we wanted something that was more private, surrounded by trees, closer to the woods in the suburbs of St. Louis. So we were very, very specific. Um, so I started going to, I started doing a couple of things. Uh, the first thing I did is I, I got a list of all of the homeowners in these two zip codes that owned a prop, owned a house on at least two acres or more that had lived there for over 10 years. And we sent them a handwritten yellow letter. So if you take, I don't know if you, if realtors do this, real estate investors do this a lot. You get a, you get a, a yellow pad of paper and you handwrite. Why is that on the yellow? Letter. Why is that? Like, why does it, that work? It works. Why do you it think works. it works? Uh, because it's a personal letter. It gets opened. Yeah. You know, most realtors, they, they send the glossy uh, postcards, you know, just listed. And, you know, they do some play on words on their last name, you know, and uh, they. And how many of those did you send out and handwrite? So, so these handwritten letters, um, I sold, I sent out about 250. A month? And um, no, just one time, 250. We, we got a list of homeowners that owned a house on two acres or more in these two zip codes for over 10 years. Um, and why 10 years? I mean, people at the time were moving on average of every seven to 10 years or something like that. Um, and we just said that the letter was from my wife. Hey, my hi, Jim. And we call him by name. It's personalized. I think is one reason why it works. And we, we hired a company. Uh, there's, there's companies that will print these letters for you. And they look handwritten. They're done on a handwritten invitation style envelope uh, with a real stamp. So it looks like an invitation to something. Which is the They're company that you use that does that? Um, I know people are asking to ask that. Uh, one of the, um, I know they're, it's, it's uh, you caught me at a bad time. The, no, 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 um, don't, sound, don't look as real. Okay. You know what I mean? Well, there's a, there's a couple of them. I'll give you one of them right now. Um, yellowletters.com is one of them. And yellowletterhq.com is another one. That is not the company I used. I used a company that's based here in Chesterfield, Missouri, near where I live. Graphic Connections is the company that I used. Um, but if you go to yellowletters.com and yellowletterhq.com, those are two companies that do a lot of these more out-of-the-box, non-traditional uh, postcards. Like for us in, in the investing side of things, we send ugly handwritten postcards that work really well. We send handwritten yellow letters and invitation envelopes. You know, the other thing, one of the things that we do, and we did not do that, this with this campaign but when when we're doing when we're looking for buyers for some of our investment deals we will we'll hire the printer to handwrite these letters dear company smith you know whatever we've got a property we're trying to sell it 
here at this address. We need help. Urgent. You know, we've got to sell this thing now. Call me. And we crump, we handwrite that and we crumple it up. And then we open it and fold it back and put it in an envelope and handwrite on the uh, address, right? That, that will almost, I'd say not, I don't want to say double your response rate or open rates, but it, it definitely sees a huge increase in responses because they get the envelope and there's a little uh, thickness to it. You know, it's like a little crinkly or something. They open the envelope and they see a crumpled up paper in there that's been folded back and it just increases their curiosity. They're like, what is this? They open it. It's addressed to them. It's handwritten. It's on red ink on a yellow legal pad of paper. It just, it gets read more, right? <laughs> So, so it works really, really well. I can tell you every time I get a postcard in the mail um, from, you know, you know, everybody opens up their letters in front um, on top of the uh, circular file. Right. And it's like, oh, this mail here. And, and so yeah. people think direct mail doesn't work anymore. It actually still does, but you have to be, be, be smart about it. So anyway, we got 250 or so addresses that we, we liked. And so, um, we wrote the letter like this. Um, Hi, Jim Smith or Mary Jane or whatever. Um, my husband and I are looking for looking to buy a property in this area. Um, and we were wondering if you would be interested in selling your house at 123 Main Street. Um, I forget the exact wording, but this is similar. Um, we were wondering if you'd like to sell your house at 123 Main Street. Um, I said on there, um, but we would, we would like to rent it for a year or so first. If that would work for you, give me a call. Thanks, Victoria and Joe. So it was from my wife. And we've seen this in studies that if, if a, a direct mail that's coming from a, a woman investor always gets a better response than from a man, a, a male investor. So. Oh. And uh, of those 250, we got, I'd say 12, 15 phone calls from it. And I was, you know, I wasn't expecting a ton, but um, all of them, unfortunately, where we weren't wanting to live, it's very hilly. And so a lot of the homes are built on a bluff, I mean, on a, on a ridge, and then the backyard kind of falls off. And so we wanted a bigger backyard that was more flat. So unfortunately, none of those houses worked out. Um, and so what we did then is though, I, this, the second thing I did is I went to Zillow. And I looked up rental properties and I looked up for sale by owners. And I just started sending text messages to everybody who had a house listed for rent in the area we wanted and had a house listed for sale by owner. And um, we saw this one house that needed some updating. I'd say needed um, just a lot of cosmetic work, right? But it wasn't too bad. Probably... Um, 20 grand in cosmetic work about right and um so i texted the owner i could tell it was vacant from the pictures i said hey i'm interested in the property i was wondering if you'd like to sell it but can i rent it for a year or so first or something like that and the guy responded back sure why don't you go look at it and uh, he he had a friend meet us there now one of the things that's interesting is if you're if you're thinking about doing something like this there's a lot of homes in the upper end, the nicer homes that are vacant right now, that homeowners, for whatever reason, they're very wealthy. And this guy in particular owned the house free and clear. There was no mortgage on it. He was living in Florida. And, um, you know, just for whatever reason, 
he um, he couldn't sell or he, has, he was having a hard time selling uh, this house. And um, so he said, why don't you go look at it? We did. We fell in love with it. It was exactly what we wanted. It was three acres. It's actually 2.99 acres surrounded by trees. We, we back to a huge state park that will never be, um, you know, um, uh, built on or whatever. And um, it's real close to the, to our church where we wanted to go to church and, and our friends. And like, it's just, it's a great area of St. Louis. And um, so we said to the guy, listen, this is my situation. And uh, I, I make great money. I, sh I, I showed him my tax returns. I didn't. And uh, I said, but I can't get a mortgage right now because of uh, there was still a short sale that was on my credit from six and a half years earlier. Right. Yeah. And remember, we're, this is like, was this after Thanksgiving or before? This was like, I think a week after Thanksgiving, a couple of weeks before Christmas, like right in that time frame, Right. And uh, I'm like, what are we going to do with this motorhome? Do I need to get like a bunch of insulation and insulate all of the underground under, uh, pipes underneath so we don't freeze? And, and, you know, do we need to go in an apartment and move again? So we're kind of desperate, but like, it was horrible. It was real stressful. And I don't know why my wife's still staying with me, but she's amazing. Well, anyway, the guy said, um, sure, I'll rent it to you for a couple of years. And uh, we did put, um, we put about 10% down. Is that right? We put, um, he wanted, I forget, 15% down. We put 10% down. And, uh, you know. And that we, money was non-refundable. Right. So that's, that's the thing too. When you do a lease option, typically you put down a non-refundable option deposit. Okay. And the option deposit gets applied towards your down payment when you buy the house, if you buy the house in a couple of years, right? But if you don't buy the house, it's completely non-refundable. How much is it typically? Uh, you know, on an investment property, I might do at the most one month's rent. So I buy a lot of investment properties this way. I've never bought a personal residence until this house. And, and the one before, right? So now the one before the house, you get the house and then th this gives you the aha of like, Hey, this is, this could be a thing. Well, yeah. Cause we, we, the guy said, okay, you can lease this house for, um, we negotiated three years, even though we only needed one, three mm -hmm. years, we paid him fair market rent and we gave him fair market value for the home. So we didn't get a big discount on it. We gave him fair market rent, fair market uh, price on the home. Um, we, we can, it's a long story, but my, my tax issue got worse. So I couldn't actually get the refinancing. So then we converted it to owner financing for another year. So we lease optioned it for two years, did owner financing for one year. Then I paid off this huge federal tax lien and I was able then to buy, get a mortgage and buy the house. Now, let me explain this too. This, it, it is so maddening and frustrating. I don't know if it's the same for you, Krista in California, but like in most parts of the country, it is extremely, extremely difficult to get a jumbo loan when you're self-employed yes. and you work for yourself, right? Like yeah, it's very hard. And there's, hard there, and there's a lot of people in our circles that, you know, they're making great money, Krista. We, I've talked to them when I've shared my story. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm in the same boat you are, right? Like, but like you're making great money, but uh, I, I submitted hundreds and hundreds of pages of documents to the banks, right? And over and over again. And they, it was just so frustrating. And it finally got to a point where like, um, well, I shouldn't complain, but because the bank finally did um, let us 
we, we refinanced the home at that time, which kind of made it easier when you're refinancing. And that's another interesting thing. It's easier to refinance a house than it is to get a new loan on a house. And so if you can structure a deal where you're owner financing or you're at least purchasing it at first for a couple of years, you can now show a payment history to the bank to get a loan. So these are non-traditional, what do they call them? Non-conforming or something like that. Um, loans, these, because it's a jumbo loan, our house is worth over a million dollars. Like uh, it's hard to get uh, financing for that, especially when you're not a W-2 employee. So my advice to everybody out there is if you're looking to get into a nice home, but you make good money, but you, you're not credit worthy or you're self-employed, you're a realtor. I, you know, since I've started telling the story and, and helping people, I have clients that uh, bought mansions as lease options. One guy in particular, uh, his wife is a school teacher and he is a realtor slash investor and he makes good money, but she doesn't, but uh, they don't make enough because he's taking so many write-offs. Um, they don't make, an, they don't report enough income to get this house in a nice neighborhood where they want it. So they, they approached a homeowner, a lady had moved out. She was worried about making next month's mortgage payment. And they said, listen, we'll give you the price that you want. If you let us rent it from you for five years first. And they also negotiated zero down and a thousand dollar a month rent credit. So they negotiated with her. We'll give you your price. But if we are one second late on rent in any month, we will lose that $1,000 rent credit. For, for every month that they're on time on the rent, they get $1,000 knocked off the price. And so wow. it's just, wow. you know what I'm saying? So these are things that you can negotiate with sellers um, who maybe have a beautiful house. Um, they, they, they're having a hard time selling the traditional way because the pool of buyers at that higher end is not as big as the pool of buyers, you know, in the median price range, right? And so there's a lot of homeowners in the higher end homes who would be more open to doing a creative deal with seller financing or lease option. And um, yeah, I, you know, it's a, it's a great strategy. I, I, every day I'm walking around my house, we can't see neighbors. Um, it's just, it's, it's an incredible place. And I'm so thankful that this guy in Florida gave us the opportunity um, to, to live in this house and then eventually buy it. Does that make sense? Or get a mortgage on it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so then this is what you teach people how to do, right? And what, what would you say, like, for the amount of handwritten notes that you, what typical percentage, what's, what's an overall percentage, and how many of these have you done? How many people have you helped? Okay, well, normally what I teach is how to do lease options for investment reasons, right? Like, to, um, you know, if you, if you find a homeowner who wants to sell their house and maybe can't take your lowball cash offer, but they can take more, um, but they don't want to be a long distance landlord. I say, listen, just ask the seller. I, I'm looking for an investment property that I can maybe lease for a little bit and then buy. Um, I'll take care of the maintenance and repairs. And, you know, that's another thing I told the, the owners. I said, I will take care of all the maintenance and repairs. You don't have to worry about me ever calling you to fix anything. And if I, this money I'm putting down up front, I, I will lose and forfeit that if I don't buy the house. So there is some risk involved to it, right? Yes. But I got all of that money applied back to my, because it was building equity in the house. I got it all back when I refinanced it into a traditional mortgage. Um, so, you know, when I finally got a loan with a traditional bank, I was at 67% loan to value. Okay. Because the house appreciated. And I also put down, you know, 15, 20% onto the home. 
So I mainly teach people how to do this as investment strategy, but it's also something that I'm starting to help more and more people do for their own personal residence because there is a huge need. You know, even now in this market where it's easy to get financing, relatively speaking, there's still a huge gap for people who make good money but um, can't get a traditional mortgage, a jumbo loan who, you know, when they're self-employed and stuff. There's a lot of uh, people that, that, like, I always think like, why would anybody ever do that? You know, why would they ever list their house and not, and not with the real estate agent? Because we all know they'll get so much more, but, and, but investors always say that they're out there. There's a lot of people out there, which is surprising to me, you know? Well, let me give you an example. Um, people will, will exchange in, the, in, in, for our price, they'll take speed and convenience. Of selling. There was one lady who owned a, um, a, a multifamily in about an hour outside of town. She had it listed the year before for 140,000 and couldn't sell. She called me and said, please, she begged me to buy her home, Krista. And I said, I'm not interested. It's too far out there. And she said, no, please just make me an offer, make any offer. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not interested. She asked me three times to make her an offer. I told her, I said, you should list your house with the agent, with an agent. And even though I was licensed at the time, I said, I don't want to list it. I'll refer you to somebody else. But here's the things. It needed too much work. She didn't have any leases, like any signed leases on the tenants that were there. She had to go and knock on the door every week to collect the rent payment in cash. These tenants didn't even have phones. So you couldn't like call them. You couldn't go and inspect the property because, you know, they, it was just a mess. And she needed the money. They were, these are properties that were inherited. She inherited from her father who passed away. She had no emotional tie with them. She, she had some health problems and her son needed, um, um, he had some issues too. I won't explain that too much. But, and so I said to her, well, I don't know. I, I, and I couldn't, I just came up with a number. I said, I'll give you 60 for it. So it was listed the year before for 140 and expired. And I said, I'll give you 60 for it. And she said, okay. So then I freaked out. This is one of my first deals. I couldn't believe it. I thought, well, this must be a mistake. Now she's elderly. And so I'm thinking, I better make sure when I meet with her, um, I want her, one of her sons with her. Yes. And so I met her at a, uh, it was a YMCA actually, because I knew um, that was, she knew where it was. So I met her at a YMCA and her son was with her. I gave her the contract and I said, are you sure you want to do this? And I asked her son, I said, are you okay with this? He said, yeah, whatever, dude. She signed it and um, I bought it and turned around and sold it the next day for a $15,000 profit. I bought it for 16, sold it the next day for 75 and I didn't do anything with it. But there, there's, there's always going to be a 5% of homeowners, sellers out there. And I've seen this even with studies from the National Association of Realtors. There'll always be that 5% of homeowners who have a desperate motivated, motivating reason. They know what their house is worth fixed up, but they don't want to put the time and the effort into fixing it up. They don't want to evict the tenants. They don't want to, um, it's just, they have zero emotional attachment to it. It's like somebody, Krista, who spends $2,000 on a treadmill, right? And it just sits in their laundry room, you know, collect, and it collects clothes. Every time they look at it, they just feel disgusted with themselves. Their wife is mad at them for buying that stupid thing. And they're just like, we got to get rid of it. And they sell it at a garage sale for 25 bucks, right? Like, why would anybody do that? Yeah. They're yeah, just done with it. And even though it still works, they could have sold it for more if they cleaned it up and put it on Facebook marketplace or something. They just wanted to get rid of it. Well, sometimes it's like that with houses as well. And that's where investors like us come in 
And I, you know, I wish realtors and investors worked together better because there's a lot of times where, you know, I find a motivated seller who, who wants more for their house. So I want to refer that to an agent. Right. And, but there's a lot of times agents find houses that are just completely trashed. They're hoarders. It's an inherited property. It has foundation problems, mold, fire damage, um, just a, a disaster. And the agent doesn't want to go through the hassle of coordinating all of that and, and getting that thing sold. So why don't you just refer that to an agent? I mean, to an investor who can take the property in and, and fix it up. So that's a long answer to a short, easy question, but does that make sense? Yes, 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 totally. Okay. So you're helping, you're helping normal homeowners do this and investors. So the strategy for the investor is, so how do they make money on, on that as an investor doing it as investments? Okay. So like, let's say there's just use simple round numbers, um, a hundred thousand dollars. Now this will buy you a one bedroom shack in California, but let's just simple round numbers. The house is worth a hundred thousand dollars fixed up, but the homeowner owes like 90,000 on it. Okay. Um, and it needs about 20 grand, uh, it needs about 10 grand in work. Okay. So the, it's worth a hundred fixed up. They owe about 90 and it, it needs about $10,000 in work. So if they were to go fix it up, sell it with an agent, they would have to come to closing with money. Right. And they can't do that. But at the same time, they don't want to um, be a landlord. They're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. And so I come to them as an investor and I say, well, have you, have you thought about listing with an agent? No, we can't because we would have to bring come to closing with money. Well, I can make you a cash offer, but it's going to be at like $70,000, which means you're going to, if you owe 90, you're going to have to come to, but that's so obviously a cash offer is not going to work, right? When I pay cash, I can close in a couple of weeks, no contingencies and all of that, right? I said, well, the another option would be Mr. Homeowner. I could lease option it from you. So I'll lease it from you with the option to buy it for 90 um, in five years. And let's say market rents are a thousand dollars. All right. I know I can rent that house out for a thousand bucks. I will offer to pay the seller. Let's say his mortgage payments are 750 a month. So I'll say to the seller, I'll pay you $750 a month. So you just make sure your mortgage payment is being paid every month. And in fact, side note, I always send my rent to the bank because I want to make sure that mortgage yes. payment. Yeah, I was going to say, right? you're going to send your rent to the bank. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So the, now I win because now I'm getting a great investment property um, with a little bit of equity in there, but some good cash flow. What, $250 a month in cash flow. The homeowner wins because somebody's now taking care of his house and is, is going to buy it. But like I tell him, I'm not going to call you. I'll take care of any vacancies, maintenance, and repairs. And uh, by the way, Mr. Homeowner, if you were to rent this out on your own, if, would a property manager cover any lost rent? You know, is your property manager going to fix up the broken faucet on their own on the, and pay for it themselves? No, but I will. And in exchange for helping you kind of don't, not to worry about some of those landlord headaches, I'm going to lease it from you for five years with the option to buy it. Okay, so now what happens? I'm going, I have the option to buy it for 90 and I'm going to pay the seller 750 a month in rent. I'm going to turn around and sell it for maybe 105,000 as a lease option to a tenant buyer. I call them penalty box buyers. I was that penalty box buyer, right? Like, um, but you know, they have good reasons for bad credit. They have good income, but they had a divorce or a job loss or something happened in the past. They have good reasons for bad credit. And I'll say, all right, I'm gonna sell it to you, Mr. Tenant Buyer. 
you have the option to buy it sometime in the next 10 years. I'm going to rent it out to you for a thousand bucks. So, and I'm going to sell it to them for like 105. Now I'm buying it for 90 and I'm selling it for 105. That's a $15,000 spread right there. And I'm getting $250 a month in cash flow every single month. So, and that's a, that's a real simple, small number. Normally our deals are bigger where we're maybe making 30 to 50 grand in profit, but I don't have to go out and get a loan, mm -hmm. right? I don't have to go out and there's not enough equity in that deal for me to go out and get a loan and buy that property. So yeah, I would if rather market, do something. If the market ready. decreases and drops, like that's great the past couple of years, but if the market decreases and drops, you're kind of screwed. Well, no, I'm not because I have the option to buy it, right? Oh, so if the market option. drops, hey, you know what? I'm not going to buy it. Or I can go back to the seller and renegotiate, right? Because mm, yeah. during that five years, they've paid down their principal. So now maybe they owe 80 on it. So I can negotiate another, another price or I can just give the house back to them. But, you know, during that five years, I've been collecting $250 a month in cash flow, right? And uh, I've got great tenants in that house who um, are taking better care of it because they are trying to buy it. They're, they, they own it. The people that live in these homes, they're better. They take better care of the homes than the, your normal tenant does. Does yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I think it's theirs. Yeah. Okay, great. I love it. I, I that is like that's definitely outside the box something that I have never done. <laughs> yes, it's different. Um, you know, there was a book I read called Secrets of a Millionaire Landlord, and I read that book like 15 years ago. And you might still find it on Amazon, but um, the Secrets of a Millionaire Landlord, and he taught different ways to do renting. You know, or uh, and I was burnt because I was this frustrated, tired landlord. I got calls every week to fix something new. And I just said, I'm never renting another investment property again. But when I heard about lease options, it totally changed my perspective on mm -hmm. investing because I thought, man, this is a great strategy. I help a homeowner. I help a tenant buyer. And I, you know, we all win. It's a win, win, win all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love it, Joe. Now, now I know what you, all the things that you do. <laughs> so how can, first of all, name, what's the name of your podcast again? Real Estate Investing Mastery. Real Estate Investing Mastery. And and um, if people want to reach reach out, I don't know if you've got a giveaway or anything. Do you have a giveaway or something you want to offer? You know, um, I do have a book. I, I have this book. It's called Simple Lease Options. And I give it away when people go watch my webinar. Okay. Um, so if you go watch my webinar, I teach you how to do these deals. At the end of the webinar, you get an option to download the book. Um, but you go to sloclass.com, sloclass.com for stands for simple lease options. And uh, you will get this book. And so in the webinar, I teach like seven or eight steps on how to do these lease option deals, how to find the sellers, what to say to them, how to make the offers, how to find the tenant buyers that live in the home, how you can do these deals virtually in other markets, you know? And um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I have a course that I will, you know, that I have that teaches people how to do this. Here's something crazy, Krista. And um, I don't know anybody else that's doing this in, the, in my industry. I refund the money in the course after people go through it and make at least one offer. So if somebody goes through my course and makes an offer and, sh and gives me a testimonial, I will refund their money and give it back to them. What does it cost you for that? What, what's well, the course cost? What do you mean? Like how, the course costs um, on my website, it's 2,500 bucks. On my webinar, I give people a significant discount if they buy it on one, on my webinar. So it's quite it's a significant discount. But I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I got so frustrated, Krista, with the low, like only three to five percent of people who buy courses ever complete them, right? 
and it's frustrating. It's maddening. I just like, there's got to be a better way we could incentivize people to finish the course. That's number one. Number two, I look at it as like, it's an investment in my most valuable asset in my business, my customers, right? I know if they're happy, they're going to buy other things that I might sell in the future, right? Number three, I want more testimonials. So I, 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 I love the testimonials where people doing deals, they're making the money, they're quitting their job or whatnot. And number four, students bring me deals. And so I partner with students on deals. So a lot of times um, somebody will bring it, bring me a deal and they want some help on it. So I partner with them on it. And so um, I feel like it's a great way. Everybody wins, right? If you go, if you buy the course and you go through it and implement it and make at least one offer and show me documentation and proof, right? Then I will refund the money back to you. And it's great. It's a win-win for me. How many people actually take the, ask for a refund? Um, you really want to know? Yeah. About 7%. Only 7%. Why? Because they're so happy with you helping well, them? Uh, I think it's a couple of reasons. Most people don't even go through the course and complete it. That's, that's probably the biggest reason. And number two, the other reason is once they go through the course, there's so much value out of it. They made they way more than the money. They're yeah. like, well, you know what? I'm not going to ask for a refund. I already made, you know, $20,000, whatever implementing the course. So uh, you know, they feel bad for asking for a refund. I like, but, um, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I learned this strategy from Mike Dillard. Mike Dillard did it with, um, for two products that he had one on copywriting and one on building your email list. And it was such a great offer. I thought, man, that is brilliant. I love doing it. You got to be careful though. Um, you do have to, you do have to have requirements. Like they do need to put in some work. Yeah, they have to do, yeah, you have to have things in place. Yeah, you mm -hmm. got to go through and you got to, like, I have a Facebook group. You need to participate in the Facebook group. I have some, I teach some things on how to set up some systems. You got to set those things up. You need to submit a scorecard every week. You know, we have a scorecard that people um, need to fill out and, and report it into the Facebook group so we can see. It's like an accountability system that we have. Um, I want to see your scorecard. That, Email me your scorecard. I want to see that. Yeah, simple. Okay, so sure. sloclass.com, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you can learn from Joe and figure out how to, and this will even work for you to save some of your real estate deals that you're doing right now, if, even if you're not into the investing side of it, it's just like another option in, in, in a way. One oh, of the yeah. things you did with me is you opened up my mind to the fact that there are more people out there that just need some help and to make sure you're speaking to those people as well. Like, hey, if you don't want to list your house, you're, you know, we, we've yeah. got options, you know? Yeah, that's what I, and I, and I like to do that as well. I don't make any money by referring deals to agents. I might get a referral commission here and there, um, but I always feel like it's the right thing to do. I don't want to ever be accused of taking advantage of a homeowner yes. and stealing their equity, quote unquote, um, because I, I lay out all of their options Yeah, and, and people still, even knowing that if they sell with a realtor, they will make more money, would still rather sell it to an investor because it's just faster and easier. And I'm sure you've got a ton of disclosures and all that to have them sign that oh, says, yeah. hey, you can sell for more, blah, blah, blah. And you give all and that I, to your people. Well, yeah. And in my disclosure, I even tell them, I will make a lot of money on this deal because I'm going to fix it up and I'm going to resell it or I'm going to rent it out. Yeah. I'm going to make a lot of money. Um, and yeah. if, as long as you're okay with that, that's capitalism. Mm -hmm. Okay, Joe, thank you so much for today. That was awesome. I learned things about you I didn't know. And I learned some things I didn't know just in general, period. So that was great. So everyone, Joe, I always ask everyone if they could give any advice at all, whether personal or business or any kind of advice to leave our listeners with, what would you, what would you say? Well, um, we talked about the book Profit First. That's, 
a really important book, especially Who's the author. Do you remember? Mike McCallowitz. Okay, Mike McCallowitz. Have you read it, Krista? I haven't. Oh my gosh. And I read so many things too. I'll put it on my list. Well, here's the thing, especially for your re the realtors in your audience, right? It's so easy when that money, that commission check comes in to just spend it, right? And I'll worry about the tax guy later. Um, I'll take care of that later. Well, you've got to be disciplined. And he takes the whole revenue minus expenses equals profit, the standard accounting formula. He reverses it on its, and in its, Revenue minus profit equals expenses. You always take out your profit first. That way your business will always be profitable when you do that. And, uh, you know, if, if yeah, a lot of people are getting in trouble, Krista, right now, and a lot of listeners are, they, they uh, don't plan or ex expect, prepare for taxes. The tax bill comes, they, 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 uh, they file a couple extensions, and then they're like, oh my gosh, I owe $50,000, I owe $100,000. And then guess what? Four months later, your next year's taxes are due. Oh and yeah. Just, people just keep on digging themselves into a bigger, bigger hole. This is a huge, huge problem in the industry right now. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful to have gotten out of that, but um, it's a nightmare. Yeah. The IRS, yeah. they are vicious. They are the most, most ruthless tax collector or bill collector, um, debt collector in, in the, in the United, in the whole world. They like, are. When I was married, um, my ex-husband at the time, he had a tax thing that he didn't take care of and it was supposed to be done by him and it wasn't anyways I ended up they like shut all my accounts down I had two kids like literally shut me out of everything and I had to like pay him immediately to, in order to get everything turned back on that was years and years ago but it was it was scary yeah I did a podcast on my YouTube channel also where I talked about all of this and uh, it's a serious issue people need to pay more attention to it, especially with our current administration is ramping up the enforcement efforts of the IRS and they're going after self-employed 1099 contract, independent contractors, small business owners, and they're coming after you. So you better pay, make sure. Pay your taxes, people pay your taxes, prepare, 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 prepare. Yep. Okay, Joe, thank you so much for your time. Right. And everyone listen to me, Joe was great. And it's great to listen and learn, but everything happens when you actually take action. So you've got to actually implement. And as always, I am just fired up. I hope you are as much as I am. And thank you so much for giving Joe and I your time. Make it a great day. See you Bye, guys. everybody.